a Pulp MX Network production. With your support of our sponsors, we have reached over 800 podcasts and counting. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, support your moto addiction by buying from our sponsors. It's the Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. Presented by Fox Racing. The original moto podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the RacerX Online Podcast, brought to you by Fox Racing. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate it. Foxhead.com. Visit your local authorized Fox dealer. <clears throat> Excuse me. If they don't have Fox, go to a new dealer, man. Uh, Ryan Dungey wears Fox gear. Uh, Kenny Roxon wears Fox gear. They just uh, crushed it the last two weeks in uh, 450 Supercross. The Flex Air stuff out now. Uh, mountain bike stuff. Uh, Fox has uh, some great mountain bike stuff. And uh, casual wear, of course. Foxhead.com, like I said. Also, too. RacerXOnline.com forward slash subscribe. Sign up now. Uh, we've got a really cool issue coming up. Martin Davalos on the cover right now, and I wrote a piece about mechanics and how things have changed a little bit about that. So please check out the magazine. There's some cool stuff in there that you don't always get uh, online. And uh, with me on the line, a guy I've been have never done a podcast with, but um, I figured it was more than uh, time to to get his story, talk to him a little bit about things. Uh, former factory Honda rider, 250 Supercross and Motocross champion, 1981 Motocross the Nations champion. Of course, um, probably a lot of you listening have taken his motocross schools. Uh, Donnie Hansen, what's up, Holsh? Sean, how are you? I'm good, Steve. Uh, everything, everything's good. We got some good weather here in Colorado, and uh, how's it out there in, in SoCal? Yeah, I'm in Vegas actually, but it's warming up. Yeah, it's warming up, so uh, um, not not to worry about that right now. The uh, everything's going good with you in the schools. How are how are things with with? I mean, you were one of the first guys to really travel the country promote the motocross schools um and you've been doing it for a long time now of course uh dhma.com uh, donnie hansen motocross academy been doing it forever how's school life how how's how is how is it in 2016 that's yeah, real good steve uh you know i've been doing this for uh, 30 plus years mm-hmm. now and uh ever since i you know retired from competition uh so things are good got a, a good uh um following mm-hmm. I've done schools all, all around the world uh mostly obviously in the country but uh um yeah just uh doing my thing we hold our, our camps mm-hmm. uh, here in colorado we have our three and four day camps summertime is a four-day camps the three-day camps is in uh springtime and then after uh the summertime and the fall time we have the three-day camps otherwise uh, the four days are in the summer months, and then I hold my two-day schools, mm-hmm. you know, around around the country. And business as well. Like, there's still a need for that. People are still into it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, you know, you, you think about it, and there's these riders. They go out there and they spend you know thousands of dollars a year mm-hmm. on their racing, and they can only do they can only do so good. So. Uh, you know, what I tell these riders when I talk to them on the phone is you, you put a small portion of that money that you're spending every year and learn how to ride the bike you have makes makes a world of difference. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, I think riders take things for granted, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, but there's so much to learn uh, in our sport and right. including just, just riding the bike. It's funny, like the the amount of money guys drop on exhausts and, and and things for their bike and the latest greatest gear, two hundred dollar goggles, and then they they can't ride through a corner or whatever. Right. And you're just like, you're like, man, how about putting some money into some lessons and learn how to ride that bike? Like, you you know, it's it's a stock. Leave the exhaust alone. It's fast enough. It's a four fifty. How about we help you get through the corner? Until until you get the most out of that bike, leave the bike. Stock that you may you pay some good money for the bike. The bikes work pretty good. Learn how to how to uh, ride that bike, and mm-hmm. it makes a world of difference. And until you get to that advanced level, mm-hmm. you know, where you need more power, you need 
you need this, you need some better suspension, you need this, and you need that. You know, put mm-hmm. the money, put put a little bit of money into yourself and learn how to ride what you what you're uh, riding. And uh, have um, um, oh, go ahead. No, that's that's good. Um, have four strokes changed the way you teach your schools, the way you talk about things, the way um, body positioning no. is? Is anything? Not really. No, no? It's, it's all it's all very similar. So it's, it's all the same. Okay, um, and also too, you're working with uh, Weimer. Are you still working with Jake a little bit here and there? Well, yeah. Well, I was helping him in the in the winter months when I was down in Southern right. California, and uh, uh, yeah, that worked out real well. We got him, you know, got him into the, into uh, the top into the top ten. I mean, you know, talking to uh, Jake along the way, go to the races and and work on it. He's a great individual. Last time I worked with Jake was the first time I worked with Jake, and that's when he was ten years old. When he came to Colorado, mm-hmm. and I uh, spent some time with me uh, here, as well as uh, Benji and uh, a few other riders. But, um, um, you know, when when he comes off the track, you know, and he's not exactly mm-hmm. happy with himself, I go, Jake. I go, Jake. You rode. You rode. You rode very well. You rode very well. What you got to understand is, you had. You know how many champions, former champions, are in your class are lined up on that line. I go. You've been off. You you was off almost a year yeah. last year. Yep. And you're getting back into it. And we got to build you up stronger. My job is bring out the good in him mm-hmm. or whoever I'm working with. You know, at yep. that level. Right. And. Um, and we we did that. We did that, and, uh, and then he got hurt with the shoulder uh, again, and yep. uh, and then. Um, <clears throat> but you know, just uh, and then when I was out there at the test tracks, you know, day in and day out with uh, Jake, you know, mm-hmm. spent some time with uh, with Kenny Roxon, and uh, he was suffering on a start, so spent some time with uh, Kenny, and and uh, the only thing about Kenny. Is uh, he appreciated it, but mm-hmm. he's not very consistent. He'll he'll go out there and get a whole shot <laughs> and, and, win, and win the main main event, and the next week he'll get a last place start. Yeah, and work up to a fifth or a sixth place finish. So right, uh, still still uh, needs a little bit of work, but uh, uh, he came he came a, uh, a long ways. Yeah, when you work with Roxon or or Dungey, like you said, Dungey's taking your schools. I think you did some stuff with RV too, right? You've you've helped RV yes. before. Um, yeah. What do these guys have that other people do not? Like, what what's kind of the stuff when you watch these kids and you've seen them when they were kids, including your son Josh? Um, what do they have that that me and the average dudes just don't have? Like, what's how do they learn to get? So, how do they get to be so good on a motorcycle? In your opinion. Uh, the fire, yeah. You know, you, they're hungry. Uh, these kids like uh, Villapoto or like um, uh, Benji, yeah. You know, especially those two two riders. Mm-hmm. Is those guys will do whatever it takes to be a top competitor, to be the best. You know, uh, whether it's uh, their riding ability, how they can prove their riding ability lines on the track or their fitness you know they'll do what it takes to uh to become uh, a number one rider mm-hmm. um yeah it's pretty remarkable uh those guys and, and the careers they've had and the guys you've worked with and the guys that have come through through your academy at one point or another um what's a common mistake you see from an average guy i mean look if people want to call you up like i said toll-free number dhma.com you can find out go to one of your camps uh, in colorado or, or or book you to travel uh, at some point but without giving too much away like what's something you see all the time from an average dude well i could be anywhere steve from uh, not gripping the handlebar uh properly you know okay. riding with their elbows down they don't have the leverage the control that they need to have out there on a motocross track or a supercross track. Um, sitting down, sitting down, uh, coming into turns and, and breaking, not breaking properly. You mm-hmm. know, again, it's one of those things where riders uh, take things for granted. You know, if they call me up and they go, well, "What's some of the things that we're going to work on?" Mm-hmm. I'll go, "Well, we'll, we'll work on breaking. You know, mm-hmm. we'll work on breaking. How to use the brakes properly, and that will 
once you get that down, that will enable you to charge each section of the track uh, a lot better and not mm-hmm. let off and do a lot of coasting. And uh, um, I think that's probably one of the main things is the braking that I think people take for granted uh, when you talk to them. You know, a lot of riders don't like to use their front brake, don't use their rear brake, and yep. when they use it, they don't use it right. They don't know how to use their brake properly. So, um, you know, when you're coming into a corner and and uh, it's time to start letting off the start braking, that's when you start downshifting and you're braking all the way into the turn, mm-hmm. not just tapping the brake and getting off the brake, you know, and getting to the corner and then getting on the brake again and getting off the brake, you know. Right. Uh, so that's, that's something I find from a lot of amateurs is, is mm-hmm. Uh, not breaking properly, um, or or not standing in a, in, a, uh, in the proper positioning, coming in the corners, mm-hmm. uh, in that tack position, using the legs to soak up the braking bumps as well as your your suspension. Um, but there's you know there is there is a lot of stuff you know body positioning for corner, keeping the foot off the ground and not not dabbing the ground you know throughout the turn. Mm-hmm. Um, their feet position on the foot pegs, you know, there, there's so much. And, and, you know, so when I, when I'm talking to the riders, I, I tell them, this is, this is where you want to, where you want to have your feet. Mm-hmm. And I'll give them the reason why. Okay. Where they're, where they're dancing around, moving their feet uh, on the balls or feet to the arches and back and forth and just dancing around way too much. You're just wasting. I mean, just, they're doing something they don't need to be doing, mm-hmm. and uh, their feet are not in the in, in a good position to start. Whether it's down shifting and as you're braking, mm-hmm. you know that's 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 the uh, the one thing is these riders are coming to the turn and the balls are feet. Okay, so if you're on the balls or feet, how are you going to be down shifting or braking coming to the turn? Right. So that's what they what they do. What they have to do is they take their Left foot off the foot peg, they downshift, they go back to the balls of the feet, and then they pick up the right foot and then uh, apply apply some pressure to the brake pedal. You know, everything that uh, a rider thinks is, is uh, you know, mm-hmm. they're benefiting, but actually they're not. They want to be downshifting and braking all the way into the turn and being on the have have your arches on the foot mm-hmm. to be able to do that. It's crazy. Um, it's crazy when you watch some of these kids. Like we talked about this a little bit on the Pulp Show last night. They can scrub now like no other. There was no scrubbing when you were winning championships. They can scrub yeah. like no other. They can uh, jump anything. But you get them on a track uh, with other riders, or you get them on a you know a race craft situation where they have to think quickly. And some of these kids, man, that are coming out of amateurs, they just they ride at riding facilities. Um, except for four races a year, and then um, yeah, it's crazy. Like you're like, dude, you can't really. You're not. You don't have the fundamentals down, but you can scrub the shit out of that double. I don't know. It's it, sometimes you just. I wonder what's going on. Right. Well, you know, it, and the scrubbing stuff it is used more on the bigger jumps. You know, the steeper jumps that we have, like in Supercross. Mm-hmm. You use that on our a local outdoor track. You're you're wasting so much time, and it's not as effective as soaking the jump up. Soaking the jump up through your legs and, and your arms, you know, mm-hmm. and and and, uh, the, and the scrubbing is not uh, not as uh, as you know as you see a, a, a Stewart, a James Stewart, yeah. or or the guys on the Supercross track where they're going to minimize you're going to minimize the airtime uh, when they scrub, you know, on the Supercross track, the steeper jumps, and then they straighten themselves up for landing. Your, their suspension is working. I said up and down, they're going side to side, you know, when they're scrubbing to minimize that airtime and then adjusting, adjusting themselves uh, before landing and, uh, and then landing with the gas on. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's one of those things that's kind of taking over, um, um, you know, the yeah, you're, you, It takes so much energy <laughs> uh-huh. to do that. And, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, although, although the the local tracks, you know, you don't have many many laps. Uh, I guess that doesn't affect them too much when you're going five laps in a local yeah. race, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. 
Um, your son Josh, uh, at different times, he's uh, he's written for uh, Hart and Huntington a few times, and of course Mitch Payton for a little while. KTM. Does he? I mean, maybe not so much now, but do you still help him with his riding? Does he still, or does he just tell you, Dad, leave me alone? Uh, it's been both. It's been both. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's a bit, it's on Jonathan on what side he wakes up on, and but uh-huh. uh, you know, he he takes it all in. You know, you know, over the years, over the years, because I've been telling him, you know, from from being way back on mini bikes and stuff uh-huh. that. Uh, you know, he, he gets tired of listening to it. He gets tired <laughs> of listening to it. But you know, it's, what's funny is is uh, uh, he he is listening because out of the blue, he's talking to someone. Mm-hmm. Word for word, he's saying the same thing I told him. <laughs> yeah. So. Interesting. Um, when you when you first had Josh and got him on a dirt bike, there is no doubt that guy can ride a motorcycle. We've all written about it and talked about it. He probably hasn't had the career in racing that uh, many thought he would for a lot of different different reasons on and off the track. But there is one doubt, no doubt, that the guy can ride a motorcycle. Early on, when he's a kid, he's eight, nine years old, Donnie, and you're watching him, are you like, hey, this kid's got something? Like, is he was he always so good on a bike and so natural? Absolutely not. No? no he wasn't. Okay. I, you know... When I was riding, Steve, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't that fast at the end of my my riding days. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I wasn't that fast on, on the track, but um, um, you know, I go out there and ride with him, uh-huh. and I and I, you know, I I remember coming back in. I go, Josh, when are you going to be able to beat me? I'm not that I'm not that fast anymore. <laughs> when are you going to be able to beat? And finally, finally, one of our local tracks. You know, he did, and I, and you know, I, I was so pumped. I go, Josh, you make me, you're making me feel so happy. Yeah, I can't, I can't beat you now anymore. And <laughs> I've been waiting a long time for this. Now, when he was, when he was amateur and on the mini bikes, he never, he never stuck out. He never okay. stuck out. Uh, one of my other riders, I, I helped through the earlier years of his career, amateur career, is Ryan Morris. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Ryan and, and Joshua had happened together all the time. And, and uh, Ryan was, was always faster than Josh. Josh never would never was never able to beat him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only one time he did uh, an Emoto is because he, Ryan fell off. But uh-huh. that didn't happen very often. But, uh, you know, I helped out Ryan, you know, throughout the, his amateur career. But he just... You know the one thing. The one thing is that Ryan had a little better equipment. You know, Josh. Mm-hmm. I, I keep him on a, um, you know, basically a stock bike, and and, and you know, I mean, we'll put some suspension on, or, or we'll have a little bit of motor work and a pipe. But you know, I wasn't going crazy spending a lot of money. I go, uh-huh. I go. You learn to ride the thing. You can beat these riders, and that's eventually that's what he ended up doing. You know, and. Uh, but it took it took a little longer than I anticipated. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, he never stood out as a as a mini bike rider. He was up there, you know, yeah. whatever it was, top four or whatever. Right. But he wasn't he wasn't winning races. He wasn't dominating. He did win. He did win. Uh, let's see. He did win at a sixty Ponca City one year, mm-hmm. first national, and that was kind of a that was kind of a surprise and. Ron Heben was the team green manager at the time, and and uh, you know I, I I I think it was a a surprise to all of us. But, uh, yeah, yeah. It was a it was a good surprise uh, because uh, Ron he didn't he didn't really know Josh when he came into the ranks, and I and that weekend I go I had said something to uh, to Ron and, and mm-hmm. said something about him him winning, and he kind of laughed. Up. What's he talking about? <laughs> uh, and uh, and he he did. He ended up winning, winning and uh, he kind of. I think he kind of stood out there for Ron a little bit, but uh, right. um, yeah, he was no flash in the pan or nothing like that until he got on the big bike. Yep. His last uh, his last uh, year on the mini bike at Loretta's. Mm-hmm. You know, he uh, we signed up for. 
we signed up for a super mini and a 125, a schoolboy. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, when he qualified for the national, he fit the bike good, the super mini good. Uh, when the national came, he grew, and by the time the national came, he's awkward on the bike. Mm-hmm. He cannot, he could not ride that bike at at the Loretta's at the national. He's he like fifth place, and the guys that he would normally beat, you know, were beating him. He goes, Dad, I I can't ride this thing. I I go, I know, I can see you're awkward out there. You grew too much since yeah. since the qualifier. I go, okay, well, forget about that bike. We're done with this thing. Let's just concentrate on the on the one two five and. He, uh, his first, uh, the first moto, he didn't time the gate. He sat stuck in the gate. Mm. And then, uh, he, uh, got him out of the gate. He got gone and, and finished up there in the top 10. He, he, he rode good. And then that, the second moto, uh, I don't know. He was up there yeah. at the second or third or something. Maybe second behind Michael Blows. Um, but, um, until he got on the big bikes, you know, he wasn't, yep. up. but he got on the, he got on the, the 21 inch and the 19 inch wheels on the big bikes, and then he started. You can start start seeing some uh, uh, mm-hmm. some, some riding on him. And the w- one year, you know, James Stewart, but, uh, Big James, he kept kept telling us to come up to Florida, uh-huh. bring Joshua to Florida, and and ride with the James out there. And so we never, you know, never took it real serious. But the one this one year. We did. Uh huh. Again, he said, "You guys, you know, Josh needs to come up and and to the, uh, the to our place and uh, right. him and James right." So my, you know, I was I was back and then I guess we were in California and I had schools and stuff or or maybe it was in Texas. I don't know where mm-hmm. we were. Yeah, we were. But I had to stay back, and uh, his mom took him, drove him up there, and uh, spent a week before. Before Ponca and then before going to Loretta's and and uh, <laughs> you know someone else did it help? Found, someone else telling him to do something and it came a lot easier than me telling. Him to do something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Isn't that how it always but, works? It, you right? know, it's, a, it's the same old thing. I mean, yeah. he's he's got to he's got to work at it, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, he did. He spent he spent it. You know, when James when James you know they spent hours out there on the track or working on corners. Working on corners. At the end of the day, when it's starting to get dark, you know, Josh, Josh is thinking, "Well, we're done. We're yeah. done for the day." Yeah, yeah. And James is going, "Okay, now, now uh, with your riding gear on, you go run run the fence line. You know, whatever that whatever that means." You know, and Josh is like, so "What?" Josh, Josh is looking at at, at J- little James and. He takes off, and Josh goes, "Well, shit! I guess I better take off too." He follows James, and that that summer, leading up to uh, Ponca and Loretta, mm-hmm. uh, it was a uh, huge difference in, yeah. in his uh, him mentally and physically. Right? You know, he wasn't he wasn't getting he was on the big bikes, but one twenty five and two fifties, and wasn't uh, getting the best starts. But at the end of the race, he's right there at the at the front. And then we went to uh, Loretta's for the next weekend, and it, he was riding uh, in, he was intermediate mm-hmm. at the, during that time. So, and uh, Stewart was in the, the expert class, the pro class. But he uh, he uh, he was he was he, working he, it. He, he was, was good. He, was yeah. he, he, he won a championship at Loretta's. Mm-hmm. Um, in the uh, what was it the 250 class? Yep. 250 class. Um, 125, 125 between the three motos. One one of the days it was a mutter, mm-hmm. and he was working through the pack, and and uh, he tangled bars with uh, with a rider and went down. So he had like a, a a first. He had like a first, a sixth, and a second that gave him like third overall. Oh, okay. That day in in the other class, but uh, um, yeah, they, um, when that when that kid was strong, when he's strong, he, he can ride the bike. When uh, and I think and I think Josh, like I think I've known him a little bit, and I think he he realizes there were different times in his racing career where he could have been better, he could have put more effort in. Um, when he was at KTM at 
you know, making a lot of money, maybe not doing all the right things off the track, um, you know, kind of lost in a different way. Did you try to tell him, hey, kid, wise up? I mean, again, being the dad, you know, these things aren't, the kids aren't always going to listen up. And I'm the same way with my dad, I imagine. Um, we all were, right, at different times. But were there times where you were just like, hey, kid, pull it together here. You've got too much talent. You've got a good team slash bike. And uh, I, wa- I don't want to see you waste this opportunity. Uh, were there a few of those talks? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Uh, you know, uh, more than I want to remember, but yeah, you try to keep it straight and, and keep them going in the right direction and uh, stay out of trouble was something as a mm-hmm. parent you're always doing, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, especially me and his mom. But uh, you know, we uh, we did what we could and. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he did his thing. And, yeah. 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 I mean, these know, kids aren't going to, it's the old story, right, Donnie? I mean, you know, the kids got to learn for themselves, right? I mean. Right. Right. Well, you know, he's still learning. He's, yeah. he's, he's yep. 32 years old and he's still learning. He, he, uh, he wants to ride his bike and, uh, yeah. but you know, it's just, uh, I don't know. You, you can, you can tell. 32 years old, is, you know, I, I you still try he's to give him advice. Yeah, still, and still help him. What right. he does with it is, you know, just to him. But. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he certainly had a, an interesting career, Josh Hansen. Has, uh, there's been some wins, and there's been other times where you're just, like, wondering what he's doing and off-the-track stuff where you're like, come on, Josh, pull it together. But, man, can he ride a motorcycle? So, right. you know, as long yeah. as you have that talent, right, um, it'll be there. Um, yep. Um, you yourself, uh, getting into your career a little bit, um, obviously, like I said, 250 Supercross and Motocross champion, factory Honda rider on top of the world, maybe the best rider in the world. Um, you go to the, you're practicing for the Motocross the Nations in 82, uh, in Germany, I believe. And you have a, a horrific crash. What do you remember from that crash? If anything, I mean, you were in a coma for a while. You never yeah. raced again. Um, you know, as far as that goes, which is, I imagine, you were probably pretty bitter for a while and upset, but what do you remember from the day you crashed? Anything at all? Well, the day of the crash, not really. I mean, I could just, I mean, yes, it was a, it was a jump section. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were out practicing with a Rolf Diffenbach uh, practice track right. uh, there in Germany, as you said. Uh, and Magoo and I were on the track first. You know, after got our gear on and, mm-hmm. and warming up and, and such, and uh, from what I was told, you know, um, this one this one jump section that I was doing, mm-hmm. uh, I had uh, for whatever reason I was kind of cruising uh, leading up to this to this jump, mm-hmm. and um, um, and like I said, I backed out of it. But I, I thought I was still going fast enough to make it, and, and whatever I did, I didn't, I didn't do it right, and it landed on my head. So yeah, uh, uh, whether I cased it or, or, or I don't know, clipped it, I yeah, whatever, out, yeah, slammed my head down on the ground and stuff, and then, uh, you know, I was. This is a while ago, but I was at Gibson, my teammate Jim Gibson's house one day, mm-hmm. and uh, he had a scrapbook. I was. I was scrolling through and mm-hmm. I've seen this picture of this helicopter at the track that we're at. I go, I go, what, what is this yeah. all about? And I, apparently they had a helicopter come in and pick me up and take me away. And I didn't know anything about that, but, um, yeah, I, I like you said, I put me in a coma for, for a while, mm-hmm. for, I don't know, a couple of weeks or whatever it was. And, uh, were you close um, to dying? Was it, was it touch and go? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. No. Yeah, yeah. Just, just in yeah. a coma, right? I just had a bruised a part of my brain that uh, that uh, it it affected my my timing, mm-hmm. my timing, my depth reception, everything you need on a bike. Yeah. You know when I when I came out of the the coma, uh, I had to learn I had to learn uh, to walk again and talk again. I had to go to therapy and such and I, and then getting out of the hospital i spent I, I believe i spent uh two weeks in germany and then two weeks in oxnard so a month in a hospital yeah and then when i got out of the hospital i did my own therapy where i started 
I wasn't better. I wasn't better at all. I was, you know, I knew that I I was the number one rider mm-hmm. in that year, and uh, I wanted to I wanted to get back out there and and, uh, and um, run that number one plate for the next year. So I got right. to get I got to get back to work. So I did my therapy where I got to where I was walking again and started running again. I used to run like five miles a day. Okay. During that time mm-hmm. and and um. Uh, you know, reading books and got a, that all came back in time. But um, the, the problem I was having is when I get into a, a rest section, I can't focus on my lines. Oh, okay. My head was my, my head is bobbled, uh, bobbing around where I can't focus on my line. My lines, so I had a hard time trying to attack a section and get into my lines, but. Um, so you could you could ride like how how soon after? So you were a month in a hospital. How soon did you get on a bike and did you realize? Wait a minute, like this is not good right now. No, well, I tell you what, as I I went out to our local tracks and stuff and, and riding, mm-hmm. and, and like I said, the time and the depth perception was off. You know, yeah, I did some stupid crashes, you know, on on uh, some some double jumps or something or uh-huh. whatever it was that I should have been able to do, but my you know, I wasn't, and yep. and and it, I went to race my first race, a professional race back was in San Diego in '83, the last race. Um, Honda got me a got me a bike ready. And okay, we went out, uh, went out for first practice, and and did that, and uh, nothing nothing was was working. Nothing was working. Second in uh, second practice, the same thing. Mm-hmm. So that's what I said. I'm done. Wow. This, I, I'm done racing. Uh, I'm not racing tonight. Thanks, Dave Arnold, for you know giving me the chance to do this. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this this thing. So that was the end of eighty. That was the end of eighty three, and then eighty four is when I started at the motocross schools because I I oh. learned a lot being uh, one of the best in the world. Right. I, could, I I got I got something to teach these these younger riders. Uh, you know, again, saving mm-hmm. saving them uh, the headaches of them trying to learn themselves. If, you know, if they if they are able to, but mm-hmm. I can I can make it I can make it a lot easier for them. So, do you, you know, school do you, t- schools took off. Hey, thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Race tech people, racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with race tech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you, Eh, probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for race tech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, race tech, privateer proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of race tech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to Pulp MX 2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right, back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, 
on the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension and tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelin's uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this... Um, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage. So uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses, Kiefer. Reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out, the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. Do you have some photos of you with number one on from practice that day that's something that to hold on to? I have some from the magazine, you know, okay. I was riding the, the pre-production Honda yeah. and stuff. I didn't have more plates on them. I, Honda thought I, did. I thought I read that Honda dropped you, but so they, they, they kept you um, as far as helping you out in 83 to try to get you back, or did they? Well, I, I did this. Well, I was, I was, when I got out of the hospital in 82, when mm-hmm. I get back from Europe and I'm, I'm home um, uh, resting up and stuff, Dave Arnold, the team manager and Roger Costa came over and, yep. and they had said that, Donnie, if you, if you want to take off next year, meaning 83, yep. we'll back you. We'll pay your bills. You take off and get ready for 84. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, shit, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect because I didn't have no time. Right. So that's, that's what I said. So uh, when I went down to Honda to sign my contract, you know, and, and, uh, uh, get what I needed to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. You know they they didn't do it. They oh. didn't do it. And uh. they, uh, you know, my my father-in-law at the time, Preston Petty, he went in. He didn't. He went into Honda with me to help me, uh-huh. help rep- represent me. But I didn't. I didn't give him the chance to talk or anything. I just. I just. Uh, I thought. I thought at the time that I needed forty grand to pay my bills. And uh, they said they'd give me twenty grand. So I said, "Well, okay." <laughs> I said, "Thank yeah. you." I, I guess they don't have to give me anything, and I, I'm appreciative of a yeah. little bit of something. So I signed the contract, and uh, you know, I don't know how long it was after that months. Months after that, I thought I, I screwed myself because I didn't, wasn't thinking at the time. That right. Right. That they got two number one plates that they're promoting in 1983. Yeah, you know Honda got no, you know, and I screwed myself. You know, that's so. Uh, did you, so, so your contract was up at the end of '82. You were a oh, free. It was, perfect, it, was per, it was perfect timing. So you could have made yeah, like you could have been uh, you resigned with Honda for '83 with two number one plates, or taking your services elsewhere or whatever. Just as soon as the designations was over, I would imagine, right? Um, right, right. Damn. It, it, so the timing was perfect. I, I like you said, we won the won, won the two number one plates, and because uh, I was I was racing for for uh, less than forty thousand dollars my salary it was thirty nine oh, five. Yeah, yeah. Thirty nine five. So uh, it was perfect timing, and uh, I I had heard that Barnett was getting paid a million dollars from Suzuki. So mm-hmm. so I had a meeting. I had a meeting, uh, let's see, I, w- I had a meeting with Honda, mm-hmm. and I told them I wanted a uh, million dollars over three years, so yeah. $333,000 per year for three years. Right. And they countered back and said, we'll pay you a half million dollars over two years. And I said, nah, nah, you know, I, I beat the number one rider. Mm-hmm. I think I'm worth more than that, so let's just hold off. On our negotiations, we'll go back to Europe, and then after we get back from Europe, we'll get back on the table and oh, cash it out. Jeez, so I, I fucked myself. You know, I went over there, got hurt. Yeah, I got hurt, 
and uh, they get nothing. I got twenty thousand, twenty thousand dollars. Jeez, for, uh, Donnie. I, so you weren't like, yeah. So you were, you were okay with not being. You weren't pissed and bitter for a couple of years, or, or you know, like you said, you just wanted to get back at it, at it I guess, right? But God, dude, I would be, uh, I would be for pretty bitter over everything. For her. I might well, lock myself know, in a room for a while. <laughs> you know, the, the the big thing for me, Steve, is the reason why I wasn't bitter is because I, I accomplished my goals and. and that I set out to do, and I did it in a short amount of time. That was my third year on the circuit. 1980 was my first year on the circuit. 81, we won the designations for, for the U.S. for the first time I was yeah. part of that team. Yep. Okay, and then 82, I won everything in 82. So between the second and third year, I accomplished, I accomplished a lot. And, you know, I think it would have been a, a lot different if I hadn't done anything. Uh, I might have been a little bit better, but... Yeah. Um, you know, I made some good money during that year that I got the number one place. Yeah, bonus, for sure. Yeah. Bonus money. And so, you know, but later on, yes, I did get better. I, you know, I did, I did some more interviews with different magazines, cycle news or the, the dirt riders, the motocross actions. Mm-hmm. And, and I told them exactly what, exactly what, what, what happened. You just like I told you that, uh, you know, Tom did it, said they were going to pay my bills, and they didn't. They mm-hmm. didn't pay my bills. And, yeah. And so it made Honda look not look so good. And so when I decided I was done racing, I went to the Japanese. I go, I, I want a, I want, I want a job. Can you, you know, to be a consultant as you bring in the riders, you know, like help them, help these new riders coming in. Right, it. right. And the Japanese goes, the Japanese goes. You change your interview first, and I'll think about it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so that's when I said, well, I yeah. don't need a job that bad. Right, right, right. I just, you know, did my own thing. And I never I never asked Honda for one thing. I, You know, as I, as I, how I looked at it is I left Honda kind of on bad terms. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with Dave Arnold or Roger DeCoster. Right. But in, in general, I left on bad terms. So I went to Larry Griffith at, Honda, at Yamaha and said, Larry, I want. I'm going to start doing motocross schools. Do you want to? You want to back me? And I spent a lot of years with Yamaha and Larry Griffiths over there at, mm-hmm. at, when he took over from Kenny Clark. But uh, Larry was great. It, Larry was great. And then um, it wasn't until uh, uh, when Josh went to Red Bull KTM, and I met I met um, the team manager. Uh, what was his name? The one that passed away? Um, Rod. Rod. Oh, Rod Bush. Yeah, the owner. Yeah, Bush, they're, they're Bush, just, yeah. yeah. At, at Canadian Supercross, mm-hmm. and uh, we went there, and and, and we uh, he made it real easy. He goes, yeah. I, I go, you know, I can stay on blue bikes and do my school. They've been doing it with mm-hmm. Yamaha for a lot of years. Yeah. Uh, are you interested in uh, me being orange with you know? Mm-hmm. And the same as Josh, and we we hooked, we we, oh, good. we hooked up, we hooked up, and uh, yep. that went really good. And 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 uh, anyways, um, do I remember a photo of you on a Yamaha number one hundred from a Supercross? Did you try a little comeback on a Yamaha? No, I no? was on a Yamaha. Check this out. You know, the first year it was, a, I think this was the first year, nineteen eighty. Okay, when when Yamaha went from the the two, the two shocks to them to uh, Pro Lake, yeah, the Pro Lake. Okay, so yep. the, our factory bikes had the Pro Lake now, mm-hmm. and the production bike was a was still the dual the dual, dual shock, shocks. So, yeah, and the, the Yamaha had a um, the mono shock. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Honda bought me a Yamaha for a practice bike the first year. Oh, okay, it, it was more similar to the the to, race bike. Yeah, yeah. How they how they saw it. So, uh, but I, no, nothing would never, never okay. nothing with number one hundred that I can remember. Oh uh, yeah, I thought I saw a photo like from after the accident that they said Donnie Hansen came back or whatever, um, you know, to race oh, again. Oh maybe or maybe uh, you know where to, uh, I did get some stuff made up. Okay, uh, with Josh's number on on the back. Oh. When I was on a key, I don't know. Okay. I key yeah, key. yeah. Who knows? Maybe I didn't see it. Um, yeah, it uh, it definitely was. Uh, you know, like we said, like you're one of the best riders in the world, and and to have that happen is just was it was incredible. Um, at the time, and 
you know, back then there was no internet. There was magazines that were a month old, and we didn't really quite know as fans. You know, I'm growing up in Canada. I'm like, is Donnie Hansen ever going to race again? Like, what's going on? Like, what's happening? Like, you know, they didn't really talk about how serious it was at the time, you know? So, uh-huh. um, in uh, going back to the 82 season, though, the Nationals, of course, you won. You, you battled RJ uh, all summer long, and uh, that was where his front wheel exploded at Lakewood. And he's always talked about how it was a valuable lesson for him. And, and uh, you battled him uh, all all outdoors in Supercross. It was Barnett, like you mentioned. Uh, you yeah. you and Bomber going at it. Which title? Which title was harder to win? Do you remember which one was? You know, pushed you to the limit more. Well, uh, you know that. The one thing with that with the outdoor nationals is uh, I had two DNFs, uh, two different motos. One at Saddleback, one at Saddleback, where Glover and I were dicing for the lead, mm-hmm. and they and uh, we was going through a rhythm section, the double, 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 double section, and I'm, I'm right ahead of of uh, Brock, mm-hmm. and I see a, a flag or a yellow flag at the end of these things. So somewhere there's a rider down. I can't see him, can't see him, but I'm going through my line and Brock's off to the side or something on a different line, and I jump out and then landed in this guy's bike, and it crushed my pipe and, and hurt, injured my leg a little bit. Mm-hmm. That was one DNF. Uh, the other DNF was at St. Pete, uh, Florida, oh, where soundtrack. I had a, a rear flat okay. you know, early in the race or something, and and that was it. So I was down a potential 50 points mm-hmm. uh, from that. Um, RJ, I, I don't know. I don't know. Other than he, he, he rode that production bike awfully fast, you know, and, yeah. it, and it it pissed me off because he's just a, <laughs> he's just a damn rookie, right. know, 16-year-old punk kid uh-huh. that's hauling ass on these piece of junk Yamaha's Raiders on the front fork and stuff. <laughs> right, you know, right. beating beating the factory on guys. On a factory Honda, know? right, yeah. Or, or, or even the factory Yamaha guys, Brock and Yeah. And it so but uh when it came down to the last race, the last race was here in Colorado. Uh-huh. And uh Castle Rock. Right. And I was twenty I was twenty points down. Mm-hmm. Uh so those two DNS, you know, screwed me for any chance of winning the championship. So I, I thought there's no way I'm gonna win a championship, but I'm gonna win. I'm gonna win the event, you know. Right. Like I, like I, you know, if I didn't win, I was right up there for yep. the, the races that I that I finished. Right. And, uh, sure. Um. So first moto, I got the start, and uh, towards the towards the end of the race, Brock, he passed he passed me, and and uh, <laughs> he got right in front. He got to run in front. He passed me on the downhill before going towards the last corner before the finish line. Okay. The last lap. Yep. And I just, I just got on the outside of him and had to, had to drive coming out of the turn and, and I beat him. Mm-hmm. I beat him by uh, half the bike length. Yeah. But I get that gave me, gave me twenty five points. And I'm just thinking off the top of my head. It was real close. It was like it's something, it was something uh, around there. Twenty five points. Yep. Um. So. And then right afterwards, I hear that uh, RJ broke his wheel and finished 22nd place. He got zero points. Mm-hmm. He put me in the lead in the last moto of the last race. Yeah. So Now you're like, holy I'm shit. Like, shit. <laughs> uh, now all I have to do, if RJ wins, all I have to do is finish third uh-huh. to clinch it. Okay, so second moto comes up. I hole shouted. I'm leading it. I hear a, hear a rider. I kind of pull him aside there. That's Brock. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I let Brock go. Let's get him behind him. Follow him around. And, and before too long, I hear another rider. I kind of pull hook the side there. RJ pulls next to me. We look at each other. He shakes his head. <laughs> and I just let him go. I just, yeah. I just got him behind him. Yeah. And he finished second. I finished third. And, and uh, he, you know, because he was a rookie and, and he, just, he just had that drive that yeah. he wanted to win. You know, he he blew the championship. Uh, you know, he that first moto, he was trying to catch Brock and I when we went in the race. Yeah. You know, he was trying to catch us instead of settling in and getting the point that he needed to do mm-hmm. for the first moto and then finish it off the second moto. But yeah, he's always said know, he learned then, he learned a hard lesson that day for right. sure. And then and then later on, you know, he's he's racing his trucks or whatever, and I was 
and I'll tease him. I'm calling him rookie, calling him rookie, and he goes, he goes, why are you calling me rookie? I go, I I, I go because you uh, because you were a rookie, you gave me the championship. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's true. And then in Supercross, just battling the bomber so every week. Yeah, yeah, Supercross. It was it was easier on me. It was easier for me. I I clenched it. Uh, race premature in the eleventh round of the twelve. Yeah, the twelve round. You won a one um, right year, right? You won your first race at a one. That was your first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then we went to Seattle, and that was a doubleheader, and I won the first the first night at Seattle. Mm-hmm. And then and then the the third race, which was the second night at Seattle, uh, it kind of sat in that I tensed up. Yeah, and that didn't didn't ride good, and uh, finished sixth that night. And that was the worst I finished that and. The last race at the LA Coliseum, where I finished sixth as well, was where I clinched the title. Where, where, yeah, where you had it clinched. But uh, so Supercross came a bit easier for you, a little bit. Uh, y- yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I rode them both good. I yep. rode them both good, uh, and 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 it's. You know, I told people, you know, you have good people. You got good good people around you. You got mm-hmm. good equipment. Uh, you, you feel good, you're healthy, and this combination of everything. But uh, I, you know, I just rode the hell out of the out of the bike, and uh, yeah, those bikes I are could, trick too. Oh, they look so good, lower tank and everything on them. Jeez. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I won. I won. Uh, Anaheim '82 was my first Supercross win, mm-hmm. and then uh, my first first uh, national one was at. Uh, Texas, Lake Whitney. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. That's when the track was real rough, deep yeah. sand, too. Yeah. Um, I don't think people really – I've talked to Dave Arnold about this on one of these shows. I've talked to Johnny O, um, Roger. The does Nations win in 81. Now, I don't think people understand it. Now, back then it was Motocross, the Nations, and Trophy, the Nations. Trophy was the 250 class. Motocross, the Nations was 500s, everybody, four-man team. You right. guys show up, SoCal guys, you, Gibson, O'Mara, uh, right. you guys show up to Lomo. Now, people may remember, like, the USA raced in Lomo, what, five years ago, and they got worked. Euros live in the sand. They, 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 they ride it all the time. Lomo's a local track. The win in 81 by Team USA at Lomo that you were part of was, mm-hmm. I remember, I mean, obviously, I was young. I was 10 years old. Um, not, not only, t- I was eight years old or something, but... If this if this was now today, this would be the biggest upset ever um, that that you guys pulled this off. Did you do you remember thinking like, holy shit, like we beat these guys in deep sand? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> we were I would consider a second rate team, right? I yeah. I mean, the, the the original team, the Howertons, the the Hannas, the the fast guys here in the states, the the, you know, the top riders in mm-hmm. the states didn't want to didn't want to go that or whatever it was where it was didn't want to go so that's when uh, the Costa said I'll, I'll get a, I'll get my riders to go right and, uh, and and do it so you know O'Mara this is eighty one this is his first year yeah. on Team Honda this is eighty one was my second year on Honda uh, Laporte he was in the sun or or vets. I mean, they've, mm-hmm. they've been around for a little bit, um, and so. But we weren't ex- we weren't expecting to win. Uh, we're hoping to have to have a good showing, though. Yeah. And uh, that track was was gnarly. You know, how deep that sand was and stuff. And, and the one thing that helped Omer and I is Indian Dunes. You know, you get some get some pretty good sized bumps out there in the sand out there at our local track that we grew up on. Okay. So you so you had yeah. some sand. You had some sand in you, like riding practicing. Yeah, we okay. Had some yep. sand experience, yeah, man. And then uh, you know, Sun and Laporte, you know, I'm I'm sure they had their share of uh sand races throughout mm-hmm. their career uh, as well. So and you know, it it just uh, it, it worked out good where um you know between the four of us we yeah. had some good rides, both motos, and then they take out the worst, the worst finish out of the four of us. They threw that out, so it was the best three finishers yeah. out of out of the four of us. That's uh, how they worked it that year, and that was on two fifties. So we won, we won that. Uh, we beat, we beat the Europeans on their turf. Yeah, and then 
Now we're going to go to Germany and raise 500s. Uh, oh, I thought it was the other um, way around. I thought 500s were Lomo and 250s were Germany. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so we uh, we did that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember Chuck had an injured ankle. He had a sprained ankle or something. But uh, the first moto is I worked up. I worked up and uh, finished second. Mm-hmm. First model behind the uh, Hawking Carquist. Yep. And then uh, uh, the other guys, Laporte and O'Mara, they, they did pretty good. And I think Chuck was struggling a little bit. And then uh, in between motos, it started, it was hard packed. So it started uh-huh. drizzling, started raining a little bit. Now it's really greasy out there. Right. So I worked up and uh, just keep going on two wheels and, and, uh, I think I finished like a, a ninth, so I got like a second and a ninth or something. But the guys, the other guys, you know, they they all did well. They all did well, and so we we won the, the second weekend. Yeah, on the five hundred class as well. So, and it was just a B yeah. team, you know, like like you said, yeah. it was you know, it was just yeah. a, a bunch of kids that Roger brought. And I heard Dave told me, Arnold told me, you guys won the qualifier at Lomo because you had to qualify because you weren't seated or whatever, right? So you won uh, the yeah. qualifier on Saturday, and he, Dave said that the even still, the Belgians, the, uh, the Dutch, the guys, they were just laughing at you, like whatever, you Americans will tire out, like you got lucky, like they they never, yeah. they just didn't take you guys seriously, and like I said, it's a massive upset. Uh, if you put yourself back in 1981, um, there's no chance that anybody would have thought that you guys had pulled this off at Lomo. And yeah, and they and didn't then, either. <laughs> no, they didn't. And but once we did, they they were so excited for us that. Oh, were uh, they? Yeah, they were oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, they were the, they were real excited for us, and uh, as 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 we were as obviously as well. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was pretty exciting. And pretty then exciting. of course the next year you were practicing for the event again when you got hurt. That was Magoo's year. He swept all four motos. Incredible yeah. performance. Um, yeah. We yeah. won some 13 years straight before we finally lost. Yeah, before we got it back here. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's nuts. Um, well, um, Donnie, thank you, uh, thank you for doing the Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. Uh, like I said, 1982 250 Supercross and Motocross champion, uh, motor, MX Nations champion, a, a real pioneer in motocross schools. Um, you've done a lot, and of course, Josh and his success as well. Uh, thanks for taking the time and, and talking to us today, and. Uh, yeah, like I, like I said, it's uh, it's a real shame that you never got to, you know, defend those number one plates. It's a, it's sort of a motocross tragedy that that people don't talk maybe enough about. How you were, you know, the best rider in the world um, at the time, and uh, and never got to uh, to really get your due, get the credit that uh, that you probably deserved. And, and um, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time though. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. I appreciate you calling and me being able to do this. Thank you very much and. Anyone interested in uh, any motocross lessons, dhma.com. Uh, give me a call. and uh, Perfect, yeah. I'd uh, love, to, love to meet you and, and, and help you out. Awesome, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, people look it up, and, uh, and thanks again, Donnie. Thanks, Steve. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis Show presented by Fox Racing. Forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as the bad boy Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. 
I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I just pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years.